welcome to this special episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. I've taken off the last month of the podcast to gear up for season three, which I'm already super excited about for the guest lineup. However, in light of this month marking the 100th year anniversary of women's suffrage in this country, white women's suffrage that is, I wanted to take this time to acknowledge this important part of our country's history, of women's history. In one hand, I'm grateful for the sacrifices and commitment of these early suffragists. While in the other, I also want to acknowledge that not all women were given the right to vote with the 19th Amendment. Did you know it would take nearly 50 years for black women to get the same right? 50 years, nearly half a century. The true story of women's right to vote in this country is a messy one, and one that's not often talked about. So in today's episode, I bring back a former guest, Letty Shoemate. Letty is a historian with a passion for sharing true history and dismantling racism in our country. Letty was a guest for episode 63 of the podcast, where she shares her story and passion. So if you missed that episode, I urge you go back and listen to that one. Letty's professional resume includes a master's degree in both history and conflict management and resolution. In addition to being an expert in the field of black history and women's history, you'll see Letty has a unique ability to just tell it like it is. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, and join us for this uncensored conversation as Letty shares a bit of real history about the 19th Amendment, voter suppression, and the importance of voting in our upcoming election. Welcome back to the Her Story Speaks podcast, Letty. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. Well, I am too. And for those that didn't listen, uh, you were on a couple months ago where we, you shared your story, how you became passionate about history, about your parents being part of the Great Migration. So I encourage listeners to go back and listen to that first episode with you and we'll link that up. Um, but today we're going to shift gears and do something that I don't always do, but we're going to share stories of other women, women as a whole, the women's suffrage movement and Last week, a lot of women were celebrating the passing of the 19th Amendment, um, and there's a lot more to that story because a lot of us know the whitewash version, and myself included. Um, When I listen to, so you've done a podcast on this, My Heroes Are Not Your Heroes, and I listened to that several months ago, and that just opened my eyes and started reading and learning more, and that's what I'm like, I I need to have her back because this is such an important part of women's history. But I don't think all white women know that this just included white women when the 19th Amendment passed and how racist some of those women, a lot of those women are that we look up to for um, the passing of that amendment. So that was a long intro, Letty. Welcome. Tell us really quick, for those that didn't hear your last one, just tell you like a couple sentences about yourself. um, Just yeah, tell us a couple sentences about yourself, but obviously we'll share your whole bio in the intro. Yeah, um, I'm a historian, anti-racism educator, podcast host. My podcast is called Sincerely Letty. Uh, I just finished my second master's in conflict management and resolution in May of this year. Matter of fact, I just got my diploma in the mail yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, I uh, have a, such a passion for history and just teaching people like how to connect the dots because I feel like that's something that comes very natural for me, but I realize that not everyone can do that. And so I'm really grateful to have the gift to be able to do that, the knowledge and that kind of stuff. And 
Also, I just really understand the need for white people to be on their anti-racism journey because the issues we see today with racism, white supremacy, capitalism, all of that stuff, like reading and posting about it isn't going to fix it. Um, it's about taking action. So I'm definitely an advocate for um, education and just for white people to know they're going to mess up <laughs> um, and that's okay to mess up. But yeah, I have, um, I mean, Instagram, I have a Patreon page where I provide a lot of webinars and just different resources for people to learn. Um, yeah, that's uh, Yeah, and you have a podcast also, Sincerely Letty, and we'll link all this stuff up um, because... You have so many resources that you share and different Patreon levels and your podcast is so good. And like this week, was it um, Kathleen Cleaver was you talked about, which it's, you just share so many stories from history that are not the whitewash version that we need to learn. So we will link all that up, Letty, and you are the authority and you really are a historian. You're not just somebody that reads some articles and tells your opinion. Yeah, that is not me. That is not me at all. <laughs> so I'm sitting here looking at you. I love your shirt. It says white lies matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's from um, America Hates Us. It's the page on Instagram and they have a website. But um, yeah, I got this because I've been eyeing it for so long. And I was like, white lies do matter. I mean, that's the only other thing I say besides black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even say white lives matter like that, but it's on the shirt. And I love the shirt, though, because it's so true. Like, mm-hmm. white lives are what get black people killed, have always gotten black people killed. Uh, white lives are what drive white supremacy mm-hmm. um, and racism, right? So the shirt is much deeper than just the three words. Right. And that's why I just brought it up, because I think it's so appropriate and fitting for our topic today, because history is our history in America is so full of white lies and the women's suffrage movement is no exception to that. So part of also, I know, like you said, your passion is dismantling racism and helping white folks on their anti-racism journey. And part of that is learning true history. I know why that matters, but if people are wondering like, well, does that even matter? Cause that was the past. Like tell us real quick why that matters. And then we'll dive into the women's suffrage. Yeah. So, you know, people say like, oh, well, I wasn't alive back then. I didn't do this and I didn't own enslaved people and I wasn't out here being racist. And I'm like, okay, but you still directly benefit from the entire system that was built on that racism with that same white supremacy. Like you as a white person benefit from it. So like if today my parents or like, I don't know, let's just say like my parents have a house they haven't paid for. Right. And my parents are gone. Thank God they're not, but they're, they're gone. Whenever someone passes away, you have to take on the rest of that debt. Like you don't just get excused from it. Right. It's like, that's not what happens. So it's, it's kind of the same thing whenever it comes to like racism and people who want to say, Oh, well that, that wasn't me. Why don't you just get over it? I'm like, how can I get over something that's still happening? Right. Literally still happening. So that's what I'm Right. And I look at, you know, even the women's suffrage movement, like, okay, if we're just oblivious and think everybody can vote now, there's no problems. I mean, that's just not the truth. We really, you need to dive into history with that and the Jim Crow laws and who really could vote. And I mean, it's shocking to learn when black people really could vote 
and the voter suppression and recognizing voter suppression now. So it's also interrelated to our present day. And you can't understand our present day if you don't look at the truth of the past. Mm-mm. And the other thing, just thinking, talking to you, I'm like, this is such a perfect time for parents because of all the kids learning at home to really see what their kids' history is and to teach them like true history because they're still not learning it in schools. So it's a good time to be educating yourself so you can teach this next generation of like, here's the problems, here's what needs to be fixed, and here's how we can move forward. No, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, that's why whenever people say things like, oh, well, I don't really need to do any work and things are different now and my kids have black friends or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's already problematic because it Uh doesn't how many black friends you got? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's completely irrelevant because you just want to use that as a reason to not have to deep dive. Yeah, you're exactly right. Okay. So that launches me into, here's my segue, how we're going to get into women's suffrage with that. So I've done a little bit of my own reading, Letty, but it's like this little compared to everything that you know. Um, And you tell me if what I've read is so wrong. So if I say something, you're like, that's actually not true. (laughs) Tell me. So in starting to do my own reading on the women's suffrage movement, I was first like, so interesting how this was intertwined, like before um, emancipation, the women's voting and freeing slaves. So it was kind of like a cause in itself and together. And Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass were friends. Is that right? Okay, so she had a black friend, but she was racist, and we'll get into that. So can you take us like way back just in kind of this movement, how it started, Susan B. Anthony with Frederick Douglass, and then things really took a huge split because of the 15th Amendment? Yeah, I mean, it's important for people to understand who Frederick Douglass was. So he was already someone who was trying, who was a very prominent abolitionist, and history books always talk about him the most because well, if you think about it, he was a black man who did befriend white people. So, of course, the narrative is going to be like, oh, well, let's look at this man. See? Right, like, right. And don't, don't get me wrong. Fred, Frederick Douglass did a ton um, that was iconic for his time. I mean, he was part of, like, the anti-fugitive slave law convention. Like, he, he did a ton, right? And, yeah, he did befriend white women because at the time it was <laughs> – it was during a time, first of all, whenever enslavement in America... Okay, so actually, sorry, let me back up. Yeah. So really, he had already begun his journey of being an abolitionist before enslavement even ended. So, you know, for people to, to also understand. And then after that, um, yeah, like he's still friends with... Friends, quote unquote, with Susan B. Anthony and... Uh, Lucretia Maud and the Grimke sisters and these women. And I say the word friends with quotations around it because we really, we have some insight as to how deep that friendship was, but it really wasn't. It wasn't what people think. Like, oh my gosh, they just got along and it was great. Like that's actually really not what it was. Um, it was more of like, uh, we need to get this work done because of oppression and, and racism. But um, what I really want people to understand is, why white women were so adamant about having their rights, right? Like, what actually was that? Because it's kind of like, it just appears out of nowhere in history books. Because that's how I always learned. It was kind of like, all right, slavery is ended. And then 
um, Reconstruction era, which no one talks about really. And then, boom, you have these women who are fighting for their rights. And really, you have to understand that the reason why many of these white women were so adamant about having their rights and their freedom was because the right that they had during enslavement was to buy and sell people. Um, so yeah, that's huge. I want you to talk about that because that's just jaw dropping and that, but that's the truth like of these white women. So talk about that Letty and how that, yeah, go, go for it. I mean, it's, there's, there's a book called they were her property. Um, and it's by Stephanie Jones Rogers. It's a phenomenal book. It's, it's one of those books that's going to be integral for historians and history work for decades to come. And I just really get frustrated now. Um, and not even just now, but even during my graduate school work before, like years ago with this idea of white women just being submissive and, oh, they were dainty and that was it. And I'm like, actually, that's not at all how they were. Uh, white women could go and, well, let me be correct about this middle class and wealthy white women. Mm-hmm. Some lower class white women could, but really it was majority middle class wealthy white right. women. And, um, go down to the warehouse, go down to the marketplace where enslaved people were being auctioned off, like men, women, children, babies being auctioned mm-hmm. off. could purchase them. They could sell them. And that's the that's the like freedom that they had at the time. And it's one of their only rights that they had at that time. So they took full force of that right. Right. And so whenever white people say stuff like, oh, well, we couldn't own property as women back then. I'm like, oh, but you could because property were as people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like You actually could. Um, And so other thing with that is uh, with seeing people as property you have to understand that whenever like white women's parents would uh write things in their will or give them a wedding gift or a birthday gift like they would give them an enslaved person or they would leave to them all of their estate right Right. the estate could have been 50 acres of land some pigs some cows some sheep and also these 45 enslaved yeah yeah yeah. But the way the history books write it is it's just property. But property back then also included people. Right, right. <laughs> and so really also, and Stephanie Jones Rogers goes into this in, in her book, um, white children, I mean, as young as two, matter of fact, actually as young as like six months old, would get a gift. And the okay. gift would be an enslaved woman to look after them and or in it or another enslaved child who would then um grow up with them wait on them they would become friends quote unquote but they grow up and mm-hmm. that's not how that works that they they don't remain friends right. uh, so there's some background about that and people really need to grasp that because when you talk about wealth and you talk about um, white supremacy and capitalism, no one understand that white women could many times uh, survive on their own if they had property. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes, too, white women would be gifted or given uh, black enslaved women or girls because they could have babies, which meant more money for you. And so white women also disciplined and brutalized and tortured and beat their enslaved people. Many times their husbands had to listen to them. Uh, right. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard when you're saying those things, it's like we both know them, but it's just, it's still, it's so hard to hear that. Like I can't even get my mind around that lady. And it's, yeah. And it goes back to how could this country not have a lot of problems if that's how we started. So seeing the interrelatedness, Reconstruction, women didn't, they lost that property somewhat. I mean, that's a messy deal in itself. So then why were they, so these white wealthier women, then that is what spurred them on to want to vote. So talk about that, how we got into this movement Susan, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. I don't want to like get into their stories too much because that's not who I want to focus on. I mean, sure, a little bit. Like, I think it's we need to know how racist they were and how they totally eliminated white or black women and the awful things they said and did. So, lead yeah. us to Reconstruction, how that women wanted that, and then kind yeah. of some of the truths about these powerhouse white women that we think so great about. Yeah, and uh, really, it goes, really, it starts with racist stereotypes of, like, black men and how black men were seen as, oh, well, they're beasts and they're aggressive. And mm -hmm. but really, the ones who are aggressive and beasts are the white men raping black women, but no one's talked about yeah. that. Yeah. So, but apparently, black men are just so terrible. And there was this uh, stereotype that white women needed to be protected quote-unquote protected um and so that's also <laughs> they were the first karens is that right yes oh my <laughs> goodness. and then like you know people wonder where like police come from and i'm like well police are slave patrols and that's what they used to be called and then after enslavement ended like police were only there to protect white people that's I'm it. Glad, I'm glad you said that because this morning I was thinking I could do a whole podcast with her on that. Just police, like how that started. So yeah, I mean, that's the truth too. Yeah, that it, it, it is. It is. And uh, a lot of states, uh, especially the southern states that seceded from the union, uh, decided that whenever they got reinstated back after they lost the Civil War, um, what happened is power was given back to these states. So President Johnson uh, took over after Abraham Lincoln was uh, shot and killed, um, well, correctly, which is assassinated, but whatever. And uh, he basically gave all the power back to Confederate states, well, former Confederate states. And so you had all these states that wrote their own constitutions and said things, uh, the rhetoric verbatim, you can look it up and it says, like, we want to just only have power for white people. Like, we only care about a nation for white people. Like, it's written down, right? And so it's like, this is not even something to argue about and people want to argue with, with me about it. And I'm like, I'm not arguing with you. And so what, what you also see happening, though, is freedoms of, like, Black men and Black women getting exercised, uh, it's like, oh, these enslaved people aren't uh, incompetent and lazy and unintelligent. Like, what? Oh, my gosh. They are, they are a threat to us. That's 
honestly how like rhetoric was, right? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the white supremacy was getting a little bit shooken and the power struggle was coming into play here. And you have so much propaganda going around and propaganda that shows black men as like beasts, as vampires, as black people, as taking over the world. And so at the same time, though, what you have is this resurgence, especially in northern states of white women being like, you know what? We need to also demand our rights. Because what happened is you had the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments passed. Right. And so these white women are like, well, why are these black people getting their rights? And we don't have any. That's how they saw it. Yep. Right. And so not to mention the fact that the Supreme Court and the federal government consistently struck down, basically gutted those three amendments that I just mentioned. And they didn't even have any kind of stance. Like it, it honestly was just so performative. You had the Civil Rights Act of like 1866, but then you had so many cases that like overturned that. Basically, black people just did, just did not matter. Black lives did right. not matter. Right. I mean, even though, and that's important, I think, to hit on, even though it was 1869, look at my notes, the 15th Amendment was passed, giving black men the right to vote. Like you said, that upset these white women so much. But we can't look at that and think, oh, black men got to vote. So they've got to, no, that's where all the Jim Crow laws, and I mean, they were lynched on the way to voting. I mean, they did not get the right to vote. No, and also just because um, just because the federal government passed that, um, you still had states that could enforce it or not. So you had states that chose not to ratify it. Uh, you had court cases where loopholes were consistently found, where they were like, oh, well, not in this case. Oh, but you can't vote in this case. Oh, but you can't in this case. So basically... Right. All of that overturned the amendment. And that's what people, this is why I tell people a lot, you need to understand how government works, how laws work, how policy works. Just because something's written does not mean that it happened. And, um, but, but yeah, I mean, so in these Northern states, you have women like Elizabeth Cady Stanton, you have Susan B. Anthony, who, and both of them are usually like hailed as all oh, the best white women in history. When really they are, lady, I would have said that up until like six months ago because that's all I've been taught. And they weren't like they like you can look up the speeches and the rhetoric, like what they said. And I'm pretty sure it was Susan B. Anthony or either was Katie Stanton. I I've studied them a lot or I've read a lot of their stuff, so it kind of gets um, mixed mixed up, but. One of them basically said that they'd rather cut off their right arm than give the Negro the right to vote before the woman. Now, it's very important to look at the rhetoric of that because they said the Negro the right to vote than the woman. What that shows you is they didn't even see black women as women because they grouped all black people together by just saying right. Negro. Okay. They did not say um, the Negro man the right to vote before black women and white women. That's not what they said, because what the, by just saying woman, it already shows you that the norm was whiteness, which it still is today. Right. It's still whiteness today. So there was that. <laughs> that yeah. blank yeah. racism, right? And so uh, what happened, too, is you already have black women who are trying to organized for their rights to vote. They're trying to have campaigns against like assault, against violence, against lynching, all these things happening. And a lot of their activism work is happening in black churches because black okay. churches 
it was safe area for them. Because I mean, you can't have black, you didn't have black people out here in like the streets, just like, oh, well, we're in New World. No, that's not how it worked. But they did do a lot in their communities. They did do a lot in churches. They did organize. Like it, it, it was, it was a whole. That's really an entire look into black resistance and what that really means. And so you had black women who tried to join forces, so to speak, with white women, and that wasn't met with welcoming arms. That was that wasn't met because also. Black women were like, we're fighting gender and race. Yeah. Intersectional. And white women are like, nah, we're, we, we don't want to do that. They didn't want anything to do with, like, I just, ah, Letty, it makes me embarrassed <laughs> to be, I mean, I'm just like, how? But I think it goes back to before, like, you talked about, like, they own property, and they still looked as a black woman as property. And it, I mean, and that's, again, why we have the issues we have today. But it's just so, I can't get my mind around they don't want women in that. And I think that's why it's so important. Like women that say they're feminists, like to understand, like there's a hard history with that. Like feminists did not want black women part of their movement. I mean, this is where it started. They literally did not. Like matter of fact, I, I was, whenever I was doing research for my podcast episode, I was looking through some, some of my documents and I found an article that was about a march that was going to happen in New York and Times Square, or well, what is today's Times Square, and black women showed up to try to march as well, and white women told them no, like that they had to go back, and they could march in the back, but they could not march with them, and so you know people might look at that and say, or like just just see a picture right mm-hmm. and see maybe white women marching and then you see some black women marching so people might look at the image and what our brains do is a process where we want it to think with what we know and they'll be like oh well see like they, they're all together okay yeah like they were segregated at the time but at least they're all working together they were not working together that is not what happened so i yeah. want to like not take things at face value whenever you look at history of the white suffragist movement because that's what I call it. I don't even call it the suffragist movement. I call I know. it the suffragist movement. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because you had a whole other aspect of black women, especially in the South, organizing, um, doing grassroots organization to really combat gender disparities, racism, white supremacy, because they're out here getting lynched and they're watching black men and black boys and children, other black women getting lynched, getting, getting assaulted, um, threatened, followed, beaten, brutalized. Yeah. And so what you had were white women like, Oh, well, we don't, not that stuff. We don't care about that stuff. Right. We just want our rights because we're really mad that now we don't have anything to say is ours because y'all are free now. That's right. Also the same white women that perpetuated the whole, oh my gosh, I'm a terrified white woman. Save me from the black man. So yeah. you had agency laws. So that you had convict leasing that like started to happen. So that you had lynching spectacles that happened. And a lot of the same white women who were marching as suffragists or whatever, yeah, they probably saw lynchings. Maybe I haven't even sat under some of the hanging black bodies. I'm just going to say it. 
they didn't care. I, this is just their reality. Yeah, and it, and it really, like, they could not handle it when the 15th Amendment got passed and black men got it right before they did. And like you said, that just led into the so demonizing the black men. And I'm thinking about, as you're talking, when we initially started talking about how Frederick Douglass they were friends with, but that's an example to me of white people, like, I feel like they used him. Yeah. Like that token, like that black friend. Okay. Yeah. We'll use you because maybe we can get our rights with your support. And then it's like the second that he got a little on paper, more rights than him. It's like, okay, we're done. And we are done with black people. And yeah. I want, and I want white people right now to look at that. If you think, Oh, I've got black friends. Like, do you, or is that for your own self? Like feeling better? Like, no, yeah, and also Frederick Douglass at one point, um, like later on, he started really talking about like lynchings and stuff like that, and they they didn't want to hear that. They yeah. didn't. and that's the reality, and so that's why people glorify women like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth King Stanton and whoever else. I'm like, but you're not asking the right questions. Like you're just not. You're just centering whiteness and you're going verbatim with what you see in some McGraw-Hill textbook that's already written to continue the rhetoric and the narrative of white supremacy. And that's not about being divisive whenever it comes to me saying things like this. And I feel like people think, I've seen it recently a lot of, oh, well, people are just being divisive. No, this is the truth. This is literally the truth. If like, you're at work and half of your department does a crappy job, and half of your department does a great job and you have a meeting about how things are going and your boss tells people, okay, here's what's going terrible. This is what we have not been doing good at. You're not going to tell your boss, you're just being very divisive. That's right. You're going to be like, oh shoot, I can get fired because I'm not doing my job very well. Right. It's like, that's, you don't come in there arms ready to fight like oh well this is just not okay right. we're all we're, we're all working hard okay sure you might think that you're not going to say it right 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 so yeah okay so i'm going to ask you one question that i'm like struggling my mind to ask you letty because you might go off at me but i can take it okay and then we're going to get into some stories of the black suffragists because i want to talk about one or two of those women um so i have probably mostly white listeners and I know some are thinking because I don't think this anymore but I did before I did a lot more reading mm -hmm. okay so Susan B. Anthony the women that we look up to um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton Stanton like did they not just pave the way though like didn't like they did like sacrifice and they did go on hunger strikes like they went through a lot did they, did they not pave the way yeah and that's something um, no, and I totally understand like what, what you're saying, because you can look at history and see both and. So you mm -hmm. can say, yes. And matter of fact, I did a, a live on Instagram last Monday about okay. um, the suffrage movement. Um, kind that's of. what my daughter watched. Yeah, oh, I, I didn't see it, but my daughter did. And that's when she's like, do not ask her that question. Because <laughs> I would, I ask her her thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, fine. I'm, I'm glad that you're asking. Uh, because I even talked, I mean, I discussed it then too. Like, yes, they did um, do a lot of courageous things for the time. Absolutely. 
Like, I would never deny that. I'm getting an amendment ratified, passed, like that takes a lot. I understand like what they mentally and emotionally also were like going through. Um, there's no telling what their personal lives were, were like, all of that stuff. And I get it. Um, and I'm glad the 19th Amendment was passed because it did also pave the way for more legislation down, down the road. Absolutely. However, you can still look at history and say, yes, this positive thing happened, but here's how these people were still extremely problematic, right? right. And I think that's where people, um, whenever you say just the first part, right, about, oh, or maybe the latter part about, oh, well, they were so problematic, right? People's brains go to, oh, well, you're just trying to see the negative. It's like, okay, but you can still see the right. good in what they did. Right. But I, I can see the good in something. I can say that orange juice is good, which it is very good. I love it. But it gives me heartburn now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it's not saying that orange juice is bad. It's just that it makes me feel bad now. Right. And not all the time, thank God, but it really does actually give me heartburn. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, like I think um, it, they definitely did uh, have a integral or play an integral role in, in history. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that goes, the awareness, or it goes back to just looking an honest look at history. I mean, we can look at any person in history and they are really flawed, even though they may, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, I mean, all the people, the, the people we think did great things for equal rights, they were flawed. And if we're only looking at the greatness of Thomas Jefferson or George, I don't know his greatness, but George Washington, whoever, like that's, that's the whitewash version. So we're just more like, let's look at the full version and look at black history, not just one month of the year, because that leads us into this, that there were some amazing black suffragists that we're not talking about. Yeah. So I have a list of some, but I want you, like, pick who your favorite or who you like to talk about, Letty, and who you think made a huge difference, and tell us just a little bit about her story, what she did, her involvement. That's, like, one of your heroes in the black suffragist movement. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely say the first one for me that comes to mind is Centauri Truth, because I, I, I know that's one people hear a lot about, mm -hmm. but... People hear a lot about Sojourner Truth whenever it comes to the whitewashed version of like what she did in the suffrage. And I'm like, no, there was a lot more to her, right? Um, so like Sojourner Truth was really also a community organizer and she did a lot in like local black churches. She did a lot whenever it came to speaking up about like the future of slave or the or the fugitive slave laws, um, not to mention the fact that she was out here trying to help people like escape from enslavement. Uh, so let's also talk about that, right? Like that's, that's who she was. So if that's who she was, do people really think that she just all of a sudden was just submissive to white women and just conformed to their white supremacist suffragist movement? Absolutely not. Um, and there's out, like there's a book, it's called... I think it's the narrative of Sojourner Truth. And I read a little bit of it. I think that's what it's called. Um, but that gives like some more insight into her like personal life. But I, I just love Sojourner Truth because people know the story about how she said the speech, like ain't, ain't I a woman and all this stuff, right? Now there's been some, some discrepancy though about whether or not um, she really 
got the feedback that she did because you hear of, oh, yeah, you know, people were there and they were listening yeah. to her. And I'm like, that's actually probably not what happened at all. That's probably not, not what happened. First of all, she probably wasn't, wasn't supposed to be there and she was there anyway. And they probably booed her. They probably told her to get off the state. Like, there's no, t- I, there's a lot more that goes to that story. But Sojourner Truth is, is definitely one. You also have women at the time like Ida B. Wells, Barnett. So, um, and you don't really hear about her as a black woman suffragist, yeah. but she was because she was also out here doing her whole anti-lynching campaign. Yeah. I mean, she's too, I wrote on the list and I've been reading more about, and I'm just like fascinated, like, yeah. ah, she did so much. And yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, no, she did a lot. And she also sacrificed a lot. Like she's, she saw, um, her friends, like a few of her friends who were lynched, like she saw their bodies hanging. And she went against white men all the time. Like she was out here. She could have been lynched. Like, I don't even know. I honestly, How wasn't she? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that goes into a whole conversation about like black people, black culture, faith, God, spirituality, all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And because a, a big question for people is, Oh my gosh, like how did they do this work? I'm like, well, because they had a higher power <laughs> that was like helping them. And, and, but yeah, Ida B. Wells Barnett is definitely um, one. There's also a woman named Harriet Purvis. Okay. Really heard about her, but there's Harriet Purvis. I believe she passed away in 1874 or 1875, but she did a lot um, with like helping to kind of start the American equal, well, the, American Equality Association, I think what's called, um, which was basically like another kind of organization people formed to just speak up about, obviously, American equality, but what that meant for Black people and what it meant too for, for white people, because it was a time whenever like, okay, you know, post-Civil War, trying to unify, Black people were just trying to find their way in a world or a country that they thought was making room for them. But she's also a name that people haven't heard a lot about. There's also um, Harriet Purvis Jr., like her daughter. Uh, But yeah, I won't won't go really into that too much because I want people to go look them up. That's what I was going to say. I'll plan in the show notes to list some of these names because this is part of like the work and the journey is looking up and learning and not just being self-fed. Yeah, Harriet Purvis. Um, Also, Mary Church Terrell is another black woman. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I okay. Okay, we will we will list those and people can do that. So, 1920, 19th Amendment's passed. It really wasn't until 1965 that black women could fully vote. So, almost like 50 years later. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So that's the truth, right, Letty? Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like, okay, so, okay, here's something else, right? 1920, Jim Crow laws were the law of the land. Yeah. That's it. It didn't matter about, oh, but maybe not in some places. No, it was the law of the land in America. Mm -hmm. The North, the South, the West, the East didn't matter, right? Yes, it was more um, overt in the South. Yes, but it was also in the North. <laughs> and was that primarily like the literacy tests and the poll taxes at that yeah. time? Yeah. For, for like voting, yeah. It was, it was yeah. 
Access literacy test, grandfather clause. So grandfather clause. Grandfather clause, yeah. Yeah, you know, for people who don't know, that was whenever you basically could vote if your parents or grandparents weren't enslaved people. Yes. On now. Obviously, they're going to have been enslaved, okay? Yeah. You had uh, black women who were and, and black men who were still alive in the late 1930s who weren't enslaved themselves. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so there were so many loopholes, Jim Crow laws, that black men were not really voting. I mean, they were in danger of their life if they were. And the literacy tests are not like. I mean, they're absurd literacy mm-hmm. tests. Like I was reading and saw some actual pages. I'm like, oh, we well, couldn't have passed it. Well, that and then it too was even stuff like if uh, you went in and you were going to register to a vote. Um, I actually read, I read about this once. Um, a, a black woman went in to vote. I think it was in either Alabama or Mississippi. It was in one of those two states. And she went in to go register to vote. And the man who was behind the counter uh, gave her a blank sheet of paper and told her to tell him what was written on the paper. And she was like, there's nothing written. And he said, you're wrong. There is something written there. And he just took it. That is also what happened all the time. It's sickening. And I think I was watching a show with my daughter one, and it was talking about this and Another question was like, how many bubbles in a bar of soap or something ridiculous? Ridiculous stuff, right? And, and, and then you think of like, so then there are also times um, whenever it'd be like, all right, I need you to tell me every judge who's in the state. Okay, so let's say that I, okay, let's say that it's 1945 and I go in, I register to vote and someone tells me that and I don't know the answer. I have to wait again to go back to register to vote at a later date. And what I have to, but what I decide is in that time, I'm like, all right, maybe that's the question they're just asking everybody. Cause they, I mean, I mean, we didn't have TV. Right. Right. Then. And so it's like, all right, maybe that's what they're just asking everybody. So what I do is I take the time to try to figure out all the names of the judges in the state, which at that time, I don't know how in the hell anybody did that. Right. Right. God. And so, you know, found out all of that. And then I go back and try to register to vote and I can say it and I'm confident and I'm like, mm-hmm. boom, I got it. And then they, they say, all right, now tell me the names of all their wives. That's the kind of shit they would do. Mm-hmm. So it's freaking believable pretty picture, right? Of like literacy tests, like, Oh, just read this paragraph. Yeah. yeah. It was absurd and just absurd stuff. Just yeah, white supremacy was doing, I mean, doing all it can, white oh. people, to keep their rule, their power. Yeah. And if, if you look at, so we had the Jim Crow laws, we had the number of black men even registering to vote. Like, I, I think I read it was like 1940, only 3% of black men in the South yeah. were even registered. I mean, it, this, and that was so many years later after the 15th Amendment. So how did it look with black women in 1965 when they got the right to vote? Were they registering? Were they, was it easier for them to vote? Like, how was that starting to look in this country? Yeah, so they were definitely registering, trying to register at least. Also, whenever that act was passed, you still had states that were like, well, no one's here monitoring us. We don't have to do it right now. 
Yeah. It happened in the freaking South, in the freaking South, in the North. It did. It, it, it didn't happen as much in the North, but it did happen. And it, but it happened a lot in the South. We also just had um, the same thing we actually see today. Polling places just getting closed. Just That's what I was going to ask you. I want to fast forward like to today. Like, cause if people are thinking, well, that was still like 40 years ago, like no. how are we, how are we seeing this playing out today? Letty? We're literally seeing it today with mailboxes being taken out of neighborhoods, mailboxes being taken off of city property. Okay. Off of state property. Mailboxes. Yes. And it's I'm unbelievable. Like, I can't believe that's, that's happening. So I know. So tell us a little bit, like if people don't understand why that is such, but like, that's voter suppression. That's just like, that's why doesn't a certain side want people voting by mail? Why? Why? What? Yeah. Tell us about that lady. I know, but tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really mean to laugh like that. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because again, white America knows that if all the black people vote, white supremacy, white people will not remain in power. Problematic white people won't remain in power at the way that they are. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That's why you have gerrymandering. That's why you have redlining. That's why you have the creation of the ghetto. That's why you had all of this is to purposely be like, oh, well, nope, there's, there's a law that you have to go vote. If like, you live here, you have to go vote over here. Oh, but you're in an area where you already don't, don't make enough money, so you have to work a 12-hour day, so then you're working there until the polls are closed. So, oh, well, you can't vote. Right. Right. That's deliberate. That's deliberate. It's not a coincidence. And I want people to stop thinking, oh, but our country would never do this. It's the same country where presidents literally signed off on bills that allowed lynching to happen. It's the same country. Right. right. Same country that turned a blind eye whenever you heard stories of black women getting raped and right. black men getting also assaulted and lynched and black women. Getting... It's all, it's the same country that like pass postcards around of lynched bodies. It's the same country. Letty, okay? it's the same and, country that black men are being killed by police right now and yeah. black women and not getting justice. Brianna Taylor. I mean, so yeah. we got to get past thinking that doesn't go on here. Like if you're thinking that, like, I don't know, there's a start somewhere else. I can't even. <laughs> um, so what do we do with that? Like I, we, like you, I want women to go vote black women, white women, Every woman, like we need to go vote. We need to not, there are things that are going to try to stop us and discourage us. So talk a little bit about people don't still believe it. The importance of voting and getting out there. Like our history is messy with women getting to vote, but we have the right. So we need to do it. So talk a little bit about the importance and what to do right now. If you feel like, you know, we've got COVID, the voting, like the mailbox, like what do we do? Yeah, I mean, people really need to understand that whenever you want to talk about how our country is a democracy and all of this stuff, and I love America, it's like, okay, well, you got to understand the democratic process then. Understand that, like, voting is integral to a democratic process. That's how the government works. That's how governments are set up. Even before our country was even here, that's how you saw governments in, like, Greco-Roman society operating. Okay, it's, it's nothing's really different um, because we stole everything from everyone else. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to get there. But yeah, it's, it's really important to, to not be selfish. 
it's really important to not be selfish and just say, okay, well, this isn't serving me at all. And I don't, I don't really care. So I'm just going to look past it. Okay. Well, you don't care about black people. You don't right. care about black women, black men. You don't care about, you, you don't, you don't care. Um, and so just say that you don't care. Don't make other excuses of, oh, well, I don't really know. It's like, okay, at this point, at this point in 2020, if you, and I'm just going to say it on here, if you do not vote, you're, that's a vote for the current occupant of the White House. That's, and um, I know that people right now may be feeling disappointed with like the Democratic nominee. I, I get it. I, I ain't sent for Joe. I didn't, I didn't send for Joe. I sent for Warren. I sent, I sent for her. Okay. Like I, I know that, but we also have to understand and know that throughout history, many times people voted for, uh, people didn't just vote and just look at a candidate and just say, Oh, well, they did this one thing and now I cannot vote for them because, Oh, oh my gosh, y'all, if that was how it worked, we wouldn't have many presidents. Um, and I mean all of them, right? because uh, even things like 1965, okay, and we got the Voting Rights Act. Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, did not want to sign that. He did not want to sign it. Literally said that. Um, Dr. King had, he had so many phone calls and meetings with him to try to convince him. It wasn't until Bloody Sunday, whenever America saw black people getting beaten to death, including the late John Lewis, that so many white people want to glorify now. And I'm like, all right, if you care about him so much and loved him so much, then get your ass out there and go vote. Because he almost died. Literally almost died. Like, the skull was cracked. Open. He knew that, like, that was going to happen, right? It wasn't until that day that America was like, not all of America, I mean, maybe 25% of like the young country was like, oh my God, oh my gosh. Because also people think that everyone saw it. Not everyone saw it. Everyone did not have a television. A small percentage of the country had a television. Okay, so there's also that goes into it. And so Lyndon Johnson did not want to sign it, but, but he did. And black people were happy about that. And that's why you still hear um, black people who are still alive, including my parents, saying like, "No, like we're very glad that he was a president then, because he signed." Good it. point, right? Yeah. So people need to understand the bigger picture. I know that it's frustrating and it's disappointing, and you're like, "Why?" But y'all, if we had something else that people need to also realize is that we have so much more access to understanding and knowing the candidates that we could possibly get in quite in like the white house right so yeah you if if we all had iphones and androids and instagram and all this stuff in 1970 guarantee point it, it would have gone completely differently that's right? a good point yeah we we just have so much more access and i get that that means that allows us to make better informed decisions but don't lose sight of, of the bigger picture because yeah. you that you're America and you're a democracy if you're not doing anything to help the country. Don't sit here and say, oh, well, the country's so terrible, but then you don't even want to go vote for someone who could, who could. Yeah. The current, whatever that is, that's, that's in the racist, white, white supremacists in the White House, it's bigger than just you. That's you know? right. Just, it's, it's just bigger. I'm, at this point, if a can of tomato sauce was the candidate, I'm going to 
because <laughs> my people are out here dying and they're dying at the and, and it's not because of Trump and people give him too too much credit. They say that our country's only like this because of him. That's a lie. It's been like this. What happened is he emboldened. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. And it's happened with so many okay, so it's happened with Johnson or President Johnson, um, Andrew Johnson, whenever he emboldened racist white people um, to be even more racist. Right. So many presidents. Um, Wilson, it happened with, um, I mean, Grant before Wilson. It happened with Nixon. Oh, definitely happened with Nixon. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, y'all, they, they do this thing where they pit you against the people who they want you to think are the problem. And you're voting against yourself. You're yeah. voting against yourself, Andrew. Like, there's, there's so many times I've read it in history and I've seen it playing out with history and politics where it's like, oh, the government saw these poor white people. And I do say poor white people because now it's, it's not even middle class anymore here. It's uh, middle and wealthy and then you have poor because let's just be real, that's what our country is right now. And you had, but back then, poor white people banding together with black people. You had it with like the whole populist movement. Mm-hmm. America, the government got terrified and they were like, oh, we can't have them. No, 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 no. They're, they're going to cause a whole uprising. They're, they're going to get. So what, what can we do to make them see the black people as bad? And it happened just like that. You had, you had propaganda, you had laws, you had Jim Crow, you had the rhetoric, you had all the same stuff you see right now today, right? Like how many people gave money to build the wall, to build the racist wall, right? Oh, y'all got gypped because there's no wall. So where'd all that money go? They stole it because they know how to do this. They know that you're going to fall for it because they, they bet on racism and white supremacy and they win every single time. You're right, Letty. I don't even know what the question was. I'm just going to say amen and you are right remember but um but i just i want people to vote like that is the biggest like i think you and i are aligned and who we'd like them to vote for but it's like i want you to understand the sacrifices that these african-american women john lewis like they made huge sacrifices so we could vote and you got to get out there and it is a privilege to vote but it's also you're so privileged if you think you don't need to vote right and i think that's that last part that like you just said is spot on Because it's like, yeah, if you don't think that you need to, you need to ask yourself, oh, how am I centering myself right now? Because you absolutely are. Like, Mm -hmm. all white people, stop. Right. Okay, Letty, it's been an hour. I want to keep talking to you and just chat all day because then (laughs) should we talk about the Republican National Convention last night? Did you watch that? I watched some clips of it this morning. (laughs) And I was just like. Oh, Letty. I don't even. It's honestly, it, and there, there, there were quite a few things that just screamed dictatorship and fascism to me. Yeah. And I, I'm going to need for y'all to look up dictatorship and fascism because people get so upset whenever we mention socialism, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, do you get social security? Do you get any, do you get Medicaid? Tax- yeah. Mm-hmm. That's literally, it would, that aligns with socialism. Oh my yeah. God. But there were so many times and I was watching clips this morning and I was just like, is this like Hitler? Like, ask, like, what is this? 
I don't. I well, we watched it mostly all last night. I don't even. I'm probably not going to leave this in, Letty. I don't know if I will or not. I'm just. <laughs> I'm venting to somebody right now. Yeah. I watched it last night with both my daughters and my husband, and we were just shocked. And I watched it. I mean, had. To, I feel like my girls should be aware of both sides. I mean, they know where we stand. I'm trying not to like dog. I don't know. We do a lot of like dogging, but I just want my girls to be aware of both sides. And my oldest daughter is very passionate about politics, but. I couldn't believe it. And the whole like Christianese of it, like you're a believer like I am. And it's like, that is what's making me want to vomit in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't imagine how you feel. Cause I see the token black people up there that I'm just like, and what, what the hell? Yeah. Right. That's, that's the whole thing where people would say like, Oh, but look, there's black people. And I'm like, white supremacy makes room for black and brown people to uphold it. It always has. It mm-hmm. always has. Like, uh, and so what? So mm-hmm. what? There's black people up there. Okay. It's like two of them. Mm-hmm. Y'all just want to, you're grasping at straws and it's the same racism, the whole, I have a black friend racism. And then they use it right to try to, to try to justify the laws and policies they like want to pass. Like, oh, but see, there, there's this black person that actually is fine with it. I don't care. Right. You're pointing it out because they align with your white supremacist beliefs somehow. Yeah. Like, we're not a monolith. We mm-hmm. all do not think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, lady, I'm going to quit because <laughs> it's time for me to let you go. What do you want to say? Any last words? Tell us again where you can be found. We'll link it all up. And if you want to say anything that you just need to get off your chest anymore, go for it. No, yeah. People can find me on Instagram at Sincerely.Letty. Um, same on Facebook. I'm Sincerely Letty. On Patreon, um, it's patreon.com slash Letty Shoemate. Um, Which is awesome. I'm a subscriber. You have like so many different tiers. You've got real history. You've got a lot. Yeah, yeah. And like the prices range from $5 to like $100. And I do like three different webinars each month, depending on like which tier you join. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, um, there's like quite a bit on there for people. And um, I'm gonna have a website soon. I was supposed to have a website last month. But okay. the summer was just, how is it already end of August? I don't, I don't even know, Liddy. <laughs> I don't really know what day it is. They all kind of seem the <laughs> same, actually. <laughs> so many things I'm supposed to do in like July but like with doing the work that I do as a historian and an anti-racism you know educator out here I'm still a whole person and I have my own personal life crap going yeah. on like right so it's just like anyway so all that to say so maybe next month your pot your website will be up okay I'm getting on it because at this point I'm like I need for it to be up but um we'll all be home ready for it okay <laughs> we're not going anywhere <laughs> No, we're not. But yeah, no, I, I just really want people to be encouraged to continue to learn the truth about history and know that it's going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to get defensive. You are going to get defensive. And you know what? Get over it. Y'all tell us to get over stuff all, all the time. Get over it. Because let me tell you, last night I was up and I was doing research um, and I ended up looking back at some stuff that I had already put out about Fred Hampton, who was a um, Black Panther. And I'm looking at the videos and the pictures of the bed uh, where he was murdered. And so this is the stuff that I'm looking at, right? This is the research mm-hmm. that I do. The same day that I find out that another Black man was shot seven times. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to talk to me about how it's hard to even read 
I'm like, get out of my face. Because yeah. I honestly, right now today, if a cop stops me and I don't have my hands in the right spot, I can get shot and killed. That's it. That's, that's the reality. I know. I know. And, I, and I say that a lot now because I, I want people to understand that it's not just in states not here. Matter of fact, in my hometown last year in January, a black man was shot and killed by a state trooper an hour south of me. And so it's just like, when I think about George Floyd, I think to myself, what if one day my brother accidentally writes a bad check? Yeah, I've heard you talk. I have one brother also, and I hear you talk about your brother, and that just hits home to me because I'm yeah. like, what if God, you that, yeah. And someone calls the cops on him. He's just caught off guard. He kind of is moving kind of like, oh, like, what's going on? And the cops, like, do that to him. Yeah. That's my yeah. family, right? And so white people need to understand that it's not about you. And you all created racism. Y'all, you all created it. Your ancestors created it. That's just it. Um, you, you still benefit from it. Now, that doesn't make you this horrible, terrible human being. No. Mm-mm. And people say that to me, like, oh, well, but, but I'm not a bad person. Who said, who said that you're a bad person? Right, right. Like, I didn't say that yet. Um, <laughs> but if you keep on with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, honestly, right, it's, it's like, it is never too late to say, wow, I just didn't know this. I mean, this happens a lot with my, like, webinars and stuff where people are like, wow, I just didn't know this. And I tell them, I'm like, okay, and, th- and that's okay. You know now. So now right. you go with, with this knowledge. I don't, I don't shame people. I don't, right. I don't shame people into feeling guilty and you're a problem. No, you didn't know what you know, but whenever you do know better, you need to do better. Yes. And just, I think we ended our last podcast on that with my Angela's quote <laughs> of like, you know better, you do better. But I remind myself of that all the time because like you were saying, like I'm the, I'm the white person that didn't know all this stuff two years ago. And it's like, okay, now I know and I'm going to do better. And my daughters are going to do a hell of a lot better because I'm going to be teaching them. And we've got our kids home and it's time to start teaching them. So a great place to start is with your resources, Letty. We'll link it all up. I'm trying to let you go, Letty, to get on because I know you got another call coming up here. So you're awesome, Letty. I appreciate your honesty and you giving me more more of your time and my listeners more of your time. Oh, absolutely. I I love doing this. And I love talking like you're such an open white woman. I hear mm. like, wow, I didn't know. Let me humble myself. Um, let me ask questions. Like mm. all ask questions. I'm not, even if you ask me and you're like, uh, you might take this wrong way. I'm, I'd honestly rather you ask me right. um, than be afraid to and then keep getting it wrong. Um, that's- yeah. And not, not all of us, not all anti-racism of, I mean, counselors and stuff are like that, and I'm not historians like that, but I am like that because you are still who I am, right? And so, yeah, but yeah, I'm also grateful for you for just once you realized, holy crap, this is I need to talk about this stuff. Like, you don't center yourself, um, and if you do, you're like, oh crap, I realized that I did this, I need to correct it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this on your podcast, and I don't want people to know that about you too. Mm, um, that's kind. No, yeah, really, because I, I feel like it's, it's easy for people to listen to this and just assume maybe that you're a white woman who's just trying to put black people on my pocket. That's not what you're doing. You're so genuine with it, and I don't want people to also know that about you. 
That's so, that's very kind of you, Letty. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate always being called out and like, I'm just trying to be humble. I really am. I mean, I want to be humble. And again, it goes back to, I've got two daughters that I'm hoping are changers in this world. And I'm trying my best to be an example and share truth with them. So I'm thankful for women like you, like sharing that truth and talking. And so anyway, okay, Letty, my mind's going to be rolling of what can I have Letty come back and talk about in a couple months? Okay. Okay. All right. I'm sure this maybe in November. Yeah. Oh gosh. Let's let's see how let's see how it plays out. How we're doing, Letty. Okay. Then we're gonna have a hope-filled message. Thanks for listening in today. I hope if anything, this conversation has made you realize the importance of knowing true and complete history. I also hope you understand even more how crucial it is for you to vote during this upcoming election. No matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, your vote truly matters. So many in our country have sacrificed and fought so hard so we can have that right. As always, all the books and links mentioned in this episode have been listed and linked in the show notes at HerStorySpeaks.com. And the black women suffragists that Letty spoke about are listed as well, so you can dig in and do some of your own learning about the stories of the remarkable black women who made history.